0: An opportunity to celebrate the international toy and gaming industry this month right here in Chicago. and welcome to the 14th episode of Board Game Times, the podcast about the people, places, and events making tabletop gaming great in Chicago. I'm your host, Clark Bender, and in just a moment I'll be speaking to the CEO and founder of People of Play, Mary Cousin, about her amazing organization and their big annual events happening next week. But first, I just want to check in and see how everyone's doing. With things cooling down here in Chicago, it feels like we're really moving into gaming season so I hope you're all getting plenty of chances to safely gather indoors and play some games. I've personally had quite a string of gaming nights lately, and had the chance to play some interesting new games, as well as some games that have been sitting on my shelf for a while. Thanks to some friends who brought back a pile of games from Essen in Germany, I was able to play the new game Gutenberg, about the famous printing inventor, as well as Boon Lake by Alexander Pfister, who is a designer I really like. I also got to see others playing some big games like Bitoku, Gollum, and Imperial Steam, which all looked pretty interesting, if a bit challenging and large. Lots to comprehend there. I also played an older game called La Grana that really burned my brain, and I finally finished the Betrayal at House on the Hill Legacy game with a group of my friends. We'd been playing that one for, I think, two years, but we finally cracked down and finished the campaign and found out what happened to our cursed families. No spoilers here, so you're just going to have to find out yourself. And when we finally finished, we opened up the game Camel Up for some nice light fun of camel racing and betting. So it's been a really good run of gaming. On top of all that, I'm especially excited because I'm about to get on a plane to attend the Dice Tower Retreat in Orlando, Florida. As you can tell by the name, it's an event run by the Dice Tower, which is a well-known website and YouTube channel about tabletop gaming, if you aren't familiar with them for some reason. This retreat is sort of a mini-convention that's really focused on playing games, and not so much about a big floor of displays. The Dice Tower personalities show up, and they bring their library of, I think, over 2,000 games, which is just incredible. So it's really an amazing chance to sit down and play a bunch of new games, games you've been dying to try or just games you love playing, and frankly, just to check out that library and see all the amazing games in it. Most of the games have been upgraded, so can't wait to check them out and see what's going on there. So I'm looking forward to a really intense five days of playing dozens of games. I'll report back to you in the next episode and tell you how it all went. I hope you'll also have plenty of chances to play games in the coming weeks. Let me know what you're up to. Let me know what you're playing or looking forward to playing. I'd love to hear. Anyway, let's move on to this week's interview. I hope you enjoy it. I'm joined today by Mary Cousin. Mary is the CEO and founder of People of Play, a great organization here in Chicago. And I won't even bother trying to describe it because I'm going to let her do that. Mary, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Clark.
0: I want to get into some of your background, but first, let's just get straight to the nuts and bolts of what is People of Play?
1: That's a great question because we're a lot of different things. We're both industry-facing and we're consumer and media-facing, so it gets a little complicated when we explain. So the core of it is that we're promoting innovation and play worldwide, and we have events worldwide, and people come to our events from around the world. And I guess most of our focus ends up being on top week, which is coming up in a week. And that is innovation conferences where we have tracks for new inventors, professional inventors, design students. We have great content. And this year, we knocked out of the ballpark again. Last year, we had 35 videos with leaders like, like we had the four Mattel presidents on one. And we had... The spin master founders on another, the incoming and outgoing Hasbro present. So we had to think like, what do we do this year? Like, how do you, how do you top that? So we're taking leaders and legends, one from our industry and one from another industry. So like Jeff Probst, the guy from survivor and Gary Trudeau and Will Short, the guy who did the toys that made us like, I could go on, like we have some really amazing and they're free, totally free for everybody to watch right on the, the homepage of POP, And then we have our tag awards, which are filmed like a TV show with hosts and skits, And we actually use a TV production company to create the awards. We're very excited about that. We have our Young Inventor Challenge, always a fan favorite, 15th year on that. And these kids get licensed. We had another one that licensed last year. Seems like every year, at least one, sometimes up to three kids get licensed by Goliath or Play Monster These kids, really, I highly suggest watching the awards to see these kids. They will amaze you. And if anyone out there wants to be a judge, let us know, Um, mentor and judge. We're always looking for mentors and judges. And then, of course, we have our fair, which since we're not in person, we're doing some virtual stages. And then we've also launched this year our People Play Database. So it's like the most powerful search. For toys and games, it's not just games. So it's toys and games, and the people. And each profile kind of brings that person or that product to life. Each product page, for example, links to every person that touched that product. Um, and then we have things like our Wikipedia on there and podcasts. Oh, and we have our pub events. We even have a pub like you can just click right on like you in our room, and you're right in there. First Thursday of every month. So we do that. We try to bring people together, community. So, we have a lot going on, and all of our events will be broadcast
0: from the homepage of People Play. Wow. So much. I don't even know where to begin on that. Great networking, obviously, but something for people who make games, make toys, play games, play with toys. It's something going for everyone. But I want to take it back. So, let's get to know a little bit more about Mary Cousins. So, where are you from originally? How did you come to be in Chicago if you weren't from Chicago originally? And Talk to me about growing up and how toys and games were a part of your life, and how that became your living.
1: So I grew up in Valparaiso, not too far away, and I ended up going to Notre Dame, University of Notre Dame. Which, of course, most of the people that go to Notre Dame seem to end up in Chicago. So then I I've had a number of different industries that I've been involved in. Um, I sculpted cakes before Cake Boss. I mean, big cakes. I was supposed to do the mayor of Chicago. Was actually Harold Washington. And he died two weeks before oh. his birthday. I know. It would have kind of been my crowning, you know, my biggest cake ever. So I was really, it was I was going to do the skyline. So that would have been really cool. And then I was in real estate for a lot of years, but that wasn't very, for me, very creative or fulfilling. And so I had a friend who worked at Western Publishing, then Western Publishing. Now, of course, Hasbro owns it. And he used to bring down prototypes from all the inventors, like the Pictionary prototype, for example, and, and Girl Talk and others. And he would tell stories about the inventors. And I loved hearing the stories about the inventors, just loved it. And so, and then, you know, I have an MBA and I thought, I'm pretty smart. I can invent a game. You know, how hard can that be? Well, as you know, it's really hard. There is definitely a magic in inventing games. And I invented a lot of games before any of them actually. Stuck. And the first one ended up being something called Hollywood's Real Spiel, which I I invented with June folks Keeley, and um we had to actually back then we had to watch all those movies. It it wasn't like the internet or I mean the internet was out there, but not where you could find information like. And so we had actually the very first movie game out there, and that was back in the day we, we would watch, you know, hit rewind, watch rewind, watch rewind. Anyway, and so. But it was a great game. We got all kinds of awards for it, a lot of different production runs. We ended up getting a licensing agreement. And I worked on a few others, mostly educational games. But then I really fell in love with helping inventors. And I started an organization at that time called Discover Games. It grew to Discover Toys and Games, but I would take out space in shows. And then everybody would bring their toys and games. And so it'd be a shared space. Or I would represent them if they couldn't come because you know, for an independent inventor, they can't take off work. It's very difficult. So while I was doing that, and I was still working too, I was still at the real estate company. And but I went to Essen and fell in love. I just totally fell in love. I saw families playing in the aisles, and they got off school right for Essen, and I just, I don't. It was such an amazing experience. And we didn't really have anything like that at that time, right? Like it was, Gen Con was very male specific, right? I mean, no, you didn't see kids running around. In fact, I was at, my first show that I exhibited at with the Hollywood drill spiel was at Gen Con. And I don't know if you've ever had Aldo Gizo on as a guest. Do you know Aldo? No, no. So his, booth is next to mine. And he says to me, he looks over at my purple and pink and
0: you know, glittery
1: boots at that time, and he's like, "What are you doing here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't really belong here." And I think I was one of five women at that time. Oh my place.
0: gosh! Like,
1: there was it was very it was in Milwaukee, right? Like yeah. a long time. It's very different today, right? Like GenCon's very different today than it was mm-hmm. then. So I came back though from Essen, and then I thought, "Oh, I can do this. I we need this in the states. We need to promote play." And so I rented Navy Pier. Never having done, anything, you know, like that ever. Like right? you do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like sometimes it's good that you don't know what you don't know. First of all, it was on Labor Day weekend. I thought, oh, that's when the peer is the busiest. The truth of it is people weren't looking families, okay, because I I was targeting families. That was not that was my main goal was to get families. They weren't really looking for toys and games over Labor Day weekend. I mean, we got the looky, loose type people in from the pier. So that was smart that we were on the pier, just general sort of traffic. But they weren't really that targeted, looking for toys and games right now, right? So then we tried moving out to Schomburg, which was really a big mistake, but we did do something right. And that was, we moved it to the weekend before Thanksgiving. And Families wanted to know media. We got loads of media coming out to find out, you know, what was, you know, hot for the holidays. And since we had signed a two-year contract, we couldn't come back. But then, as soon as we could, <laughs> we moved back to Pier, and we're the same weekend as the Festival Lights Parade, which brings in loads of people from around the Midwest, and actually even both coasts. People come like to Chicago to see family and spend the whole weekend doing holiday stuff, and we're part of that, and, which makes it a lot of fun, right? And we get tons of media again and the families, and it's just really, we, we hit our sweet spot. It's really what we did. It's perfect.
0: Yeah, it sounds fantastic. So for people who haven't been to the fair, maybe you can talk about the two sides of the fair, sort of what the public sees and what the industry sees.
1: Right. So because we have the conferences the two days before the fair, we've got all those people from the industry walking around trying to find like new ideas that are on the fair floor. And we bring in people from 25 countries, like product acquisition execs and also some exhibitors from overseas as well. But so everyone's really looking to find new ideas. I mean, so the public is too, but they're looking for new ideas for that Christmas. But the industry people are looking for new ideas to produce the next year, right? So they're focused sort of on different things, but we get a lot of inventors because we've always helped inventors. And so we probably have more inventors than most shows. We also have companies that use the fair as a big focus group, It's sort of like play testing in the wild, right? You're here and all your competitors are, so you're getting a better read on your product, right? And... And you find, too, with the families, a lot of them, because they have little kids, they'll just stay half a day. So we have about midday, there's a big changeover in the population. So when maybe not every single family leaves, but I would say the vast majority leaves And while other ones are coming in. So you, you always said like, fresh faces walking around. And we did start a few years ago, kind of interesting, a beer garden inside this park. And, mm. and that was really to accommodate more, like, strategy games for adults and just really just have more fun, right? Like just to, to have, to increase the whole thing, something for everybody and our young inventor challenge is part of the fair too. So we have a lot of different things that go on at the fair. We just really want to make sure everyone's entertained or we have something for everybody.
0: Yeah. It's kind of dizzying in terms of what you're presenting. So folks who listen to this podcast are probably from the hobby game community. Is that a population that you think is represented at the fair? Do you think it tends to be more mass market?
1: Well, here's the thing that will really surprised you. So I think we're viewed as a gateway to a lot of hobby companies. So, for instance, Rio Grande was one of our biggest exhibitors for the first 10 years by far. Like huge, huge footprint. And then also Mayfair Games still to this day and has been our largest sponsor ever. He sponsored across like, you know, Larry, I'm sure everybody here knows Larry right from the He was, he sponsored across many different events, but the reason Larry and Jay Tomlinson really loved our show is because they said, you know, if we exhibit at Gen Con, let's say, we're preaching to the choir. If we go to your show, I'm reaching people I don't reach. Right. And so that's why they were really big at our show, because it's true. Right. Like you're going to reach people. So Larry and this is coming from Larry. um, So he was on his way into the show and he couldn't find a parking place. So he was just going to give up. Right. Because he's local. But he he called me to say that to share that someone from his team had called him. They had a giant version of settlers right on in the middle of their a huge booth, I want to say, 70 by 70. It was just a big booth. And so, but they put this life-size game in there. The kids were beating each other up with the pieces. They weren't (laughs) playing. They were taking the pieces and just beating each other. And so the staff called up Larry and Larry's like, let them beat each other. The last thing you want to do is stop them. He goes, just let it be. And he was right you think about it he was right you want them to be immersed however it works for them at that time and he says it's going to make an impression on them in more than one way it is let it go and i thought that was really smart
0: like
1: it was um i'll never forget that it was really good
0: that's great as long as they're not drawing blood it's okay
1: exactly right? <laughs> larry got that he was smart He was a really smart marketer
0: that's really interesting What do you think it is that drew you to this industry? Is there something in your background where toys and games, were they particularly featured in your family?
1: Yeah, it's funny you should say that. So like my first, my favorite toys were the easy bake oven and a printing press, the old fashioned printing press with a little rubber letter that you put into it and you cranked it out. Right. And so, and now I have newsletters that go out to like seven different populations. And, um, and I love debate. For games, this is really interesting as I really liked my cards, like a deck of cards. Like I loved Rummy. I loved all the games you could play with a deck of cards. I can't say that there was a particular board game I loved growing up. I've always loved card games.
0: That's actually been very common with a lot of the guests on the show. When I ask them about their family's gaming habits, card playing is a big part of it. Card playing is so very social, right, in a lot of families, and as you say, obviously very accessible. And then there are some families that have a lot of games, too, and have a big game closet. It's like you'd play board games maybe with the immediate family, but when grandma and grandpa or the aunts and uncles got involved, it was cards that would generally be what were put on the table. It sounds like you had a similar experience.
1: Definitely. Even today, they still like, I don't know why, but they played poker. I, you know, often at Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's a game of choice. Strange,
0: but <laughs> That is interesting. You know, it like is, usually right? it's like canasta or I don't know, rummy, Yeah. Rummy, pinochle bridge. I don't know, but poker, yeah, it's a little more aggressive.
1: Isn't it though? So? I know it's really kind of funny. I'm usually sitting up, you know, after dinner, so I, I'm not even part of that poker game, but I'm listening to it. Really
0: well, maybe hard. you absorbed a little bit more of it than you thought. Cause here you are right <laughs> competing in the industry. Your organization is very much a booster, a supporter, a champion of play. Not just talking about the importance of play like, hey, we have to say play is important because we have this convention. But you're very steeped in the importance of play for children in particular. Can you talk about that a bit?
1: Right. Yeah. We actually we have the three websites, right? And we did talk about shytag.com and, and peopleplay.com. But we also have playineducation.com, And we have a newsletter that goes out to um, educators, about 100,000 of them. And we do promote the Young and Better Challenge, but we also just promote ways to use toys and games in their classroom and the importance of play in the classroom. There's just a million studies out there to show that kids retain more information when it's play based, when it's like an interactive learning, right? I strongly believe in that. In fact, prior to being play in education with games for educators, and then we made it a little bit broader. So we have a lot of articles about the importance of play. We, we review games and toys for that. And we try to engage teachers in writing curriculum for toys and games so that they can share that. Teachers need curriculum-based activities to prove why they should be using it in the schools. I've tried to start up like game clubs um, in schools. That's harder. I think it's getting harder and harder all the time because educators seem to be more teaching to the test, right? Like it's less about creativity now, which makes me really sad. And it makes us we have to work harder, right? So we we definitely do that with the schools. And then just with the public in general, the non-industry people, I don't know if you know who Tim Walsh is. Um he invented ALERT and all sorts of things. And um great guy. He's now president of Rue Games and Playmakers and he does a lot of different things, but he said something that really resonated many years ago. He said, "If you sell a million songs, you're on the cover of Rolling Stone, a million books, the New York bestseller list. But if you sold over a hundred million Jangas, nobody knows who you are." And that's always stuck with me. And I know in Germany, like when I went to my first Essen back in 2000, and I actually hung out like with Alan Moon a bit. They treated him like a star, right? But nobody ever did that here. And that was why we started the um, Toy and Game. At that time, it was Inventor of the Year Awards. Now it's Toy and Game International Excellence Awards. The taggies was to get these names out there, right? Because I think that if we don't have any spokespeople in our industry, like other entertainment industries have, right? And so the idea is if we make our designers and the inventors spokespeople and celebrities, then we'll sell more toys and games right? So that's what we were trying to do with the taggy words. And in part, that's what we're trying to do with the People Play website too, is to really showcase these people as entertainment celebrities. And that's also part of why we're doing these pop duos for our conference this year, like pairing the president and founder of Exploding Kittens with Jeff Probst from Survivor. It's like putting our industry on par with another entertainment industry, the same like Will Short's the crossword puzzle. Yeah, mm-hmm, sure. So Will has some games coming out, right? Brand new. I don't even know if it's been announced yet. So maybe I should. I maybe I shouldn't have said that. But go no further. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when we paired him with Gary Trudeau, I mean that was like a really interesting pairing, and it was actually Gary Trudeau's first interview since 1994 with Rolling Stone. Oh wow. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So we're trying to bring us up to other entertainment industries so that people think of us in the same way.
0: Why do you think that is? What is it about Germany and that mindset that you think has given rise to a little bit more celebrity and recognition of that industry than here?
1: I don't know. I really do not know. Um... I suppose
0: it's not an industry that is ostentatious about its wealth, I suppose. So in the U.S., it might fly under the radar a little bit for that reason.
1: I do think it's changing a bit. It's just a lot slower. Like I was really trying to get more toy and game manufacturers to put their designers on the box, right? I think that's really important. And I think consumers want to know who's designing, you know, who made, whatever it is they're buying, where did it come from? and I
0: think that's very interesting because I know that's become more and more Important, sort of, in the hobby game business, right? There's more and more naming of the designers. There seems to be more focus, even on some of the companies, and I feel like it's starting there, but maybe is slowed or take hold in the larger marketplace, right? We can we can only hope.
1: I hope, yes, definitely.
0: Talk to me about the challenges you've been dealing with with the pandemic, and hopefully, this is your last year of dealing with them.
1: I hope so. I really I I miss seeing people and interacting with people. who knew last year that we'd have to do it again this year? Yeah, it was very difficult to pivot. I, we did it really well last year, like just for our conferences alone. You know, Normally at our conferences, we have maybe 400 people from, like I said, 25 countries, right, that are pitching and, and going to watch the different panel discussions because it's really a pitching conference. But we were able to, because of our content last year, we had over 13,000. And since that time, it's now over 20,000 people. They have tuned in to watch the content from 95 countries. So we had a much bigger reach for the conferences. The fair, we had about the same number of people tune in because what we did for that is we made it stages of entertainment, like on a playlist or that just kept going. So we, we had the um, awards, Young American Challenge Awards. So, you know, right there, we had hundreds of families tuning in to watch that. But then, we also we had giveaways and one thing like so surprised me. So Goliath Games said, "Well, you're gonna have a lot of little kids watching, so we're gonna come up with the dance videos, like big characters just dancing." And I thought, I thought, well, that's dumb. Like I, I didn't say this to them, but I thought this is really kind of dumb. But it ended up being like the most watched playlist, and I thought that's because the parents they're putting their kids down and the kids are watching these and they're probably dancing along with. These big, like dinosaurs, and they were big pieces, characters from their games So that was really smart, right? I thought, wow, I would never, like that really surprised me. And we experimented with things like Twitch with Columbia College. We had a whole Twitch thing going on. Oh, so going back to the stories too, and Tim Walsh. so Tim Walsh has this WTFF, where's the fun from? where he tells the stories. like last week he did one on the game of life he's done like ant Farm, all sorts of them right candyland you name it so we had a whole channel on the stories, all the different stories of toys and games and their inventors and that was very popular as well so we're going to be doing that again obviously but we're also going to do some like at-home crafts like with them so we'll still have our stages of entertainment you know, just to keep the families engaged and have them still remember us so that when we are ready to go back next year, they won't forget us, right? Like the placeholder. But it's a fun placeholder and it's one they can tune into year round, actually, because we don't take it down.
0: I did want to ask you uh, one other question. You sort of briefly talked about being one of the few women at Gen Con, being one of the only women in the industry to begin with. Diversity and inclusion obviously is something that people talk about in all industries. And it seems like you are making a very express effort to have different voices involved with people of play. I'm assuming that's purposeful, but is it? And can you talk about just how you feel the industry is dealing with that?
1: Yeah, I, it is purposeful. You're right. And have you heard of an, a movement called See Her? S-E-E-H-E-R? See Her? I don't think I
0: have, at least not by that name.
1: So I, what they do is really interesting. They said you have to put out pictures of women or in that case, it's women. But in, in my case, I'm trying to keep it like see. you can't say C diversity, but you know what I'm saying? Like I'm trying to really make sure that we're good about that. And it's not always easy to find people in our industry. It's really sad, actually. I've had this discussion many times like with Eric Lang, for example, like and he's very vocal about it. It's just, it's very sad. Right, that we don't have enough diversity in our industry.
0: Is that industry just more of a boys club than other industries or has it just been slow to change?
1: I don't know. That's a really good question. I've, I've actually had this chat with people in the movie industry and they say it's exactly the same in their industry and that it's just going to take a long time to move things up. And um, like, I probably have the biggest list of professional inventors of anyone in the world is my guess. There's only like 7% are women. And I think it's less than 1% are people of color. It's really sad, but hopefully it will change. I think people are now at least working towards it, which nobody, they weren't before. Right.
0: Right. There's obviously still plenty of lip service. But it does seem like there are people who are putting their money where their mouth is, at least some. And there are some really strong voices and champions in the industry. You know, you mentioned Eric Lang. I, you know, Elizabeth Hargrave, who did Wingspan, is really focused on making sure she promotes other women and BIPOC people that are involved in the industry and just making sure those voices get heard. And kudos to you for doing your part as well and trying to make that something that's more noticeable because it's something that's just really important to the industry because everybody plays games. Everybody plays with toys. It's it's that's definitely not a boy's thing only. No, it's true. Before I go and take you into the questionnaire, what makes play and gaming so important to you?
1: To me? Well, what I always found when my kids were little, what was interesting about playing games with them is they would let down their defenses and they would actually tell me things. They would share all sorts of things. And I think that's what happens to everybody when they're sitting around you. There's a bond of sorts, right? And you share, you really share with one another and it's a meaningful experience. And that's really one of the most important things to me.
0: We're going to talk about people to play the conference in just a moment, but first I'm going to put you through the board games, times mini game, which is my questionnaire. These are very game-focused, so I apologize. If you don't have an answer right away, no worries, but here we go. You ready?
1: Uh Uh-huh.
0: First of all, what is your gaming beverage of choice?
1: Oh, that that changes. Um, It was an old-fashioned for a long time, um, made with bourbon. And now I'm into, strangely, cinnamon whiskey mixed with regular whiskey and a slice of orange. In the summer, I was tended towards a Negroni, so I guess cocktails. I guess if you had to put a like a bigger title on it, cocktails.
0: Nice cocktails, probably with some sort of a brown liquor. It sounds yeah. like.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly right.
0: Next question, then: What is your preferred number of players in a game?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because I do enjoy like a two-player card game. There's just something nice about that. So you really just talk about everything. You know, when it's a two-player card game, I guess two to four players. Is it okay if I have a fan like that?
0: Absolutely. Then the next question. What do you think is your most admirable gaming trait or behavior?
1: Food, putting out good food. (laughs) Does that count?
0: Absolutely. You're an entertainer. I like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're a
0: provider. You're making sure everyone else is taken care of.
1: Yeah. I think that's important.
0: Absolutely. That's a big part of gaming. I like that answer a lot. Gonna definitely come over to your house and play games. <laughs> Next question, and this is the flip side. What do you think is your least admirable gaming trait or behavior?
1: Oh, interesting. Maybe I'm not competitive enough. Like I, you know, some people really go for it. I'm more collaborative, I think. A little bit more collaborative than not.
0: So you're a softy, the the folks that are really aggressive might not enjoy playing as much. Exactly. Okay. Sounds like a pretty good trait to have. Next question. What is a type or genre of game that you just enjoy playing?
1: Well, I love Settlers. And that's I was also the first one in North America to interview Klaus, which was pretty awesome. Oh, wow. A long time ago. Yeah. 2001. And he remembered that. had a conversation with him a year or two back. He remembered that. I thought, wow. That was uh, that was pretty cool. So maybe a little tainted by that, but I, that's a great game. Tepes Jean, wow. I'm I'm not as big into role playing games. I don't know why, um, but I do like the strategy type games, the lighter ones. Sure, uh, sure. I like better, I guess. Arkadone and and those. I like trying new ones as long as somebody else tells me the rules. I'm not big on reading rules, which I'm sure you hear from other people
0: too. <laughs> well, I'm a rule reader, so we need people like you.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> it's perfect. Well, you may have already answered this, but is there a type of genre of game that you just don't enjoy?
1: Oh, well, I think I did. Yeah, the role-playing. I don't know why I don't. That in like war games. I'm not as good at war games, those two.
0: Okay. Well, there's a lot of time investment in both of those, which I know turns a lot of people off. That
1: actually could be the reason. You could be right about that.
0: All right, then. Next question. What is a physical game component that you love?
1: Wow, I don't even know how to answer that.
0: <laughs> Stumped you.
1: It did. I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that one.
0: We'll take that as I love them all. There you go. <laughs> all right, then. Next question. Is there a game you own that you haven't played?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Yes, actually, I have a signed edition of Game of Life from Ruben Klamer, who just died at 99. It is still in its wrapping, and he tore off a corner and he wrote a note to me. So, yes, that's the only one, though. Everything else has been played that I have. And I've got a lot. I probably have close to a thousand games.
0: Wow. But you've played them all.
1: Well, yeah, because I had to. A lot of them are also new inventors games from over the years when I was helping new inventors, and I can't throw them away. I just, somebody put their heart and soul in that, so I still have them too. So yeah, I've played all the rest of them.
0: Wow, that's a good reason. That's a very small shelf of shame, and a great reason for it, because you can't open that copy, right? I mean, that's super special. All right, next question. Is there a game that you really want to play but never have?
1: question. Well, I haven't played Elizabeth Hargraves yet. Wingspan, right? And I would really like to play that one. I haven't even got a copy yet, you know, but it's on my list of things that I want to do. But during a pandemic, I haven't had anybody really to play with. And so, but yeah, I would like to play that one.
0: All right. Good choice. It sounds like that'll be up your alley. The types of games you described liking, I think that's going to fit right in there. And it's a really fun game. Really interesting game. Beautiful game. Totally worth your while. Finally, is there a game you'd currently like to recommend? And if so, why?
1: Hmm. I just, I love so many different games. It's hard to recommend one. Like, it's a, it's a really difficult thing to do. It's almost like recommending one of your kids or something, right? <laughs> like it's,
0: it's true. It's a hard choice.
1: I know. I can't recommend just one.
0: Is there maybe one you recommend to educators?
1: I used to always recommend settlers, right? because it does teach kids a lot on different levels. Oh, wow, I wish i still had, we used to have, we don't have it anymore, it needs to be updated. We had a game finder for teachers. So you would put in what grade or what age of kids and what the subject was. And then we would give you a list of games, like it was a software program. And I think we need to update that to get that going again, because a lot of teachers found that very useful.
0: Oh, that'd be great. And I think with the way games are finding lots of different genres now, you know, they're kind of getting away from just war games or, as the joke goes, trading in the Mediterranean to more interesting subjects, right? Like birds and science and even heavier games having much different genres. So that sounds like a good idea. We'll see if you can uh, wake that up. Thank you. You You've completed the questionnaire. You made it through to the other side. I appreciate you dealing with all my questions. But now this is the time where we can shamelessly promote. So let's talk about People of Play and the upcoming conference and how people can get involved and what there's going to be there to see.
1: Right. I did mention the POP Duo um, once or twice. So that's free content. I mean, you can just sign up to get notified about that. You can sign up either on peopleofplay.com on the homepage there or on our conference page on ShyTech. Totally, totally free. Throughout the day, we have some other content that we're sharing. And oh, if you've signed up for the pitch. So we have the new inventor pitch, the design student pitch, and the professional inventor pitch. For those, you have to have a pop profile because that's integral to like the product acquisition execs, trying to find out what you're about. So you have to have a profile for those. But here's something really fun. Every evening from five to seven, we have hosted pop pub events. One day we have Tanya Thompson from Hasbro and Dougal Grimes from Spinmaster, host one night. The next night is Dave Harris from Mattel and Brendan Boyle from IDO. Another night is David Norman from Goliath and Jim McCafferty. He's a great inventor of many different things, but he's also a magician. So there's going to be a bit of magic on that. And I know that Dougal and Tanya plan to be giving away games. And then in our pop pub last week, no, it was earlier this week. Oh my God. Where's the time going? We had on that Tanya and Dave Harris and a few others. And so Dave's like, well, we're going to be giving away stuff too. So it's getting a little competitive now between these pop pub posts. So it's a lot of fun. You just click on the UNO box and you're in the room. It's just so easy and it's going to be so much fun. So that we've asked from five to seven throughout the day's pitching. And then we also have something called office hours. So if you want to learn more about toy testing, or if you want to learn all the different media buying, there's a lot of different ones. Same thing. You can get an appointment for 15 minutes of free information for these people. So we've got that during the day as well. And then the taggy awards, again, free for everybody to watch. A lot of fun, great entertainment, whole family. There's nothing risque in there. We've cut all that out. And we have like storylines going through it and skits and just a lot of funny bits. And we're honoring really amazing people. For instance, three people we're honoring this year. One is Tom Kalinske, who was president of Mattel, president of Sega, president of LeapFrog. And then we're honoring Jim Pressman, a Pressman toy that was purchased by Goliath. And Michelle Litsky, who started Litsky PR, one of the top PR agencies in our industry. So that's amazing. And then we're, we have tributes to Ora Koster, who invented Guess Who and a lot of other games. And Pop It, you know, the crazy Go Pop It thing. Oh, now? sure. She invented that back in the 70s, and she didn't get it sold until a few years ago. So I guess that tells inventors. Persistence is like a big number one thing, right? And then Brian Goldner, we have a, a tribute to him. And then we name Toy Innovator of the Year, Game Innovator of the Year. You know, we've got eight, nine categories. And that's just a lot of fun because we had everybody film themselves. So it's very personal. It's all about the people. And then, of course, everyone will be in the pub rooms after, before and after. So a lot of community and networking. And if anybody wants to host the watch party, because we've already had a number of people contact us, we'll list your watch party. Because yeah, it's the fun thing, right? Like you can bounce from watch party to watch party and and chat. I already mentioned the Young and Better Challenge. You've got to watch it. Like the kids are just so much fun. Anyone, if they have questions, if they're looking at the website. They can feel free to email me, Mary at shytag.com. I'm happy to answer any questions.
0: Fantastic. And I was also going to ask, how can people participate or be involved throughout the course of the year? I know you have some newsletters that go out. There's a voluminous weekly newsletter, which is an amazing amount of information.
1: That one is our boom report, right? That's the weekly summary of all toy and game news in our industry worldwide. And we've added some fun bits to that, person of the week, company of the week. We now have meme of the week. We have video of the week. And we also have the highlights from all the other magazines around the world in the Twang Game space. It's long, you're right. But you can skim through it and you can see what you want to read. And it's by section, so it's organized. And yeah, that takes a lot of time to put together each week. There's two of us that work on content for that. Graham Thompson being the other person. And yeah, Bloom Report is sort of like Wall Street Journal or Forbes, if you will, of our industry, right? And then we do have an industry newsletter, an adventure newsletter, consumer, educator. We really do try to promote play out there wherever we can, and the people.
0: It seems like if you're a game designer or have a larger profile in the industry, getting on people of play and creating a profile and having a presence there, really worthwhile?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because you know what you can do is you can list your skills, your expertise, like Mattel could go on there, let's say, and search for a designer who specializes in this and that. So some of these inventors put on a list of like 20 different things that they're experts at. So this has been very helpful for companies. So an individual profile for a year is $250. And say you invest the $250, you put your profile up there, put all your skills, your expertise, and even if you don't want to renew the next year, it stays up there stays up there forever. So it's a very inexpensive investment, if you will, to be searchable in our industry.
0: Great way to network.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: That's fantastic. Mary, have I left anything out? Is there anything else you want to mention?
1: Well, just that I miss everybody. I can't wait till we're all doing everything in person again.
0: Fingers crossed for next year, and hopefully you even have a chance to do something sooner than that, right? Start playing in person again.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Well, Mary, thank you so much for being on the show. Best of luck to you with the show next week. And for next year's show and all these shows after that, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. you got a lot going on over there at Chi Tag and People Will Play, so I hope people take notice.
1: Oh, well, thank you. and Thank you for having me. I appreciate
0: that. My pleasure. Take care. Okay, and that is it for this episode. Thanks again to Mary Cousin for taking the time to join me this week. Be sure to check out the People of Play website at peopleofplay.com to find out more about Virtual Pop Week, the Chicago Toy and Game Fair, and the Toy and Gaming International Excellence Awards, or the Taggies as they call them. You might even get the chance to pitch your toy or game to an industry insider. If you do, let me know about it. You can always reach me at Clark at BoardGameTimes.com, that's times with an S, or on the Board Game Times page on Facebook. So I hope you'll go there and share your feedback and thoughts, ideas for guests, what you've been playing, whatever's on your mind. As always, I want to thank my listeners. If you're enjoying the podcast, I hope you'll please share it with your friends and family, anybody who's interested in gaming. And of course, if you can rate and review it wherever you find it, that always helps get the word out. Until next time, thanks for listening. Play lots of games, be good to one another, and may all your board game times be the best of times. Take care.